on episode 537 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Clint Emerson and discuss his book, The Rugged Life, The Modern Guide to Self-Reliance. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 537. you decided you're ready to make a change to reclaim your health and fitness the 40 plus fitness podcast is here for you each week we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40 i'm alan meisner i'm an nsam certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise behavior change and fitness nutrition a fai certified functional aging specialist and an ota level 2 online trainer I'm joined each week by our co-host, Rachel Everett. She is an NASN certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey, all right? Let's go. If you know you can't sustain another year of sliding down the aging curve, weight gain, body aches and pain, no drive, if you're ready to see your energy and confidence go up, 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 and you want to build a sustainable lifestyle that helps you be the best you you can be, then you should check out Be Fit for Task, 40plusfitness.com forward slash BFFT. Inside BFFT, I work with you to develop the mindset needed to lose weight and keep it off, build up your fitness safely so you can be who you need to be, put together the right for you strategies and tactics have accountability to stick with it, and create a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. I'll be like the headlights on your car and the rumple bumps on the side of the road to keep you on your road to wellness day or night. And at the end of our six weeks together, you'll have more energy, be stronger and healthier. And yes, you'll have lost weight. But more importantly, you'll have the skills and tools you need to keep going, to be fit for task, to live the life you're meant to live. Imagine how amazing that's going to feel. Apply at 40plusfitness.com forward slash BFFT, and we'll get on a discovery call to make it happen. 40plusfitness.com forward slash BFFT. Hey, Raz, how are things? Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Um, Tammy got on an airplane uh, just about about 15 minutes before we started recording this to, uh, to fly out for a vacation trip that she's taking with her friend. Uh, it was one of those pre-COVID trips that got canceled, and oh. and so now it's like you know she's now on the list and got to go, and so she's going to be enjoying herself for two weeks, and then I'm nice. going to be responsible for Lula's, which um, oh, will boy. be interesting. No, it's <laughs> I've done it before for her to go back to the states for things. Uh, it's just going to for two weeks, and it's a slower period right now, uh, but just yeah, some um, additional moving parts in my life, but yeah. otherwise every everything's going well. Good. Glad to hear it. All right. Well, are you ready to talk to Clint Emerson? Sure. Sounds great. Our guest today is a retired Navy SEAL with 20 years of service in the special operations community. He served as a SEAL operator in SEAL Team 3, NSA, and SEAL Team 6. He is the founder of Escape the Wolf, which focuses on crisis management for global companies, both large and small. He is the best-selling author of the 100 Deadly Skills series. With no further ado, here's Clint Emerson. Clint, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Nice to be here. So your book is called The Rugged Life, The Modern Guide to Self-Reliance. 
And I think a lot of folks will sit there and probably wonder, well, why, why on earth would Alan have somebody talking about, you know, self-reliance and homesteading and all of those types of things on, on a health and fitness uh, podcast. But in my mind, uh, self-reliance and health and fitness are, are like intertwined. They're like hand and glove. Um, you can't really have one without the other in a, in a grand sense of things. I guess you can be healthy and fit without having some of these things, but uh, I think some of the things that you get, and, and we'll get into that in a few minutes, uh, from living a little bit more of a, a rugged life uh, actually enhances your health and fitness. Yeah, exactly. You just nailed it. Um, like I always say for, you know, on the crisis side or with the 100 Deadly Skill book series, you know, first and foremost, your human performance is everything to be able to get yourself out of trouble, to get your family out of trouble. You've got to have at least the heart, the lungs and the strength to get yourself away from whatever that threat is. And it could be natural disasters, man-made events, who name, you know, you name it, it's out there. And uh, rugged life really is stretching out. It's what you do as a lifestyle, the things you do every day that can one give you far more fulfillment, you know, and you get a lot, a huger sense of satisfaction when you're doing it yourself. And most of the things that if it, whether it's hunting, building, fishing or farming or whatever it is, those are physical activities. Like you're going to probably get in better shape than just visiting the gym for an hour or two each day. Um, so I think you're, you hit it, you hit it dead on is that, um, living a more rugged life will exponentially increase your health, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. Now, you know, in, in our world where, yeah, I've got a, I've got a gem, you know, half a mile away from my home, uh, we can call Uber eats and they'll deliver just about anything you want. Netflix is on, you know, uh, Hulu or whatever, whatever your streaming service, or maybe you got more than one of them. We have everything pretty much at our fingertips. We don't have to lift yeah. a finger to do anything. And I think, you know, it's probably, it might've been even about 20 years ago when the internet was really just getting started. Someone wanted to do the experiment to see if they could stay in their house for an entire year and never leave. And way back then, back in like the late nineties or so, this guy was able to do it, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, was able to literally stay at home for an entire year and not get out. Now, for many of us, we are in a situation with COVID where we weren't permitted, if we lived in a city, particularly to get out. Now, I, I kind of kicked myself. We, when we came down here to Panama, I, I didn't choose the rugged life. We, we chose something a little bit easier, um, an apartment in town. Uh, which meant we were pretty much trapped in our apartment in town with the lockdowns they did here, which were a lot more stringent than the United States. Our friends uh, who lived uh, out and about, you know, on different islands, uh, generating their own electricity, catching their own water, uh, living a little bit more of a rugged life uh, than we were, they had a lot more autonomy, a lot more freedom. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I think the rugged life of kind of now appeals to me a little bit more than it might have before is seeing it firsthand. My friends were actually able to get out in the sun for more than two hours twice a week and walk around and do things. But, you know, for the normal person is what is this rugged life that we're talking about and why, why would it be something that someone would want to do when there's so many easy ways to live our lives today? Yeah, man, you hit a bunch of great stuff. I think, um, First, I'll start by answering the question with, 
the pandemic certainly taught us all that being a little more self-reliant can be very valuable. It can be important. It can just allow uh, a certain level of independence and freedom uh, that you can't get if you are reliant on all these other things that you mentioned. So I would say first and foremost, you don't have to dive 100% into the rugged life. I built the book so that you can just dip your toe if you want. You living in an apartment in a, in a urban environment can do a lot, even with limited space, to increase your self-reliance and actually fend for yourself. Whether it's ver- these vertical gardens now, I mean, you can grow just about anything inside, the, inside your apartment in the corner with very little maintenance. It's just time, right? You just wait for things to grow and then you know you've got it. Um, or if you decide you dip your toe a couple of times and you like all these different little projects that you're doing and you're realizing, holy, holy crap, this is actually not just as it giving me something in return, but the hard work that goes into it just feels so much better than, you know, using an app, right? I mean, there's, you don't get any satisfaction except the, the fat pill that shows up to your doorstep by using all the different Uber Eats and whatever else is out there, you know, um, having your groceries delivered to your door. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But um, what if you could just grow some of those things yourself? And that's, and that's just a piece of it, right? If you're not into the farming aspect, well, then maybe it's the hunting. If you're not in the hunting, then maybe it's just being your own handyman, being your own power grid, be your own uh, homemaker. I mean, I was surprised at how many household products especially in the uh, hygiene and the, the, the hygiene and grooming side of the house, that if you've just got beeswax and, you know, and some coconut oil, you can make shampoos, pomades and conditioners, right? So the other piece to this whole thing with the rugged life is it's more like a family experiment. I mean, if you get the whole family involved, um, I feel like it brings everybody together because we are so stuck on technology. You have these days, you have an entire family sitting in a living room. It's on Netflix, like you mentioned, but everybody is still on their own personal devices and there's no solid family time. So rugged life, how, at whatever level you want to kind of live it, it, you will find out that whether it's one project or a dozen projects, when the whole family is involved, you're just going to all be so much more healthier. You're going to get that camaraderie going again. And you're not just, you know, a bunch of individuals living in a house together. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting uh, being down here. I, I run into a lot of people that, that they do this thing. They say, okay, look, this is, this is so cool. Uh, there's this Island. I'm going to go out there. Uh, it's just land. It's just raw land. It's jungle. We're going to clear a little bit of it. We're going to build a house. Uh, we're going to use solar. We're going to use, um, you know, uh, water catchment. We're going to, you know, do these different things like composting and we're going to have a garden and we're going to, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And yeah. what happens though, <laughs> invariably, um, is that they move down here. They make that happen. They build their, their dream house is the, you know, and, and then uh, as a couple, um, one one or both of them kind of decide after a period of time that this was not what they signed up for that you know they they miss some of the creature comforts uh that they oh, yeah. had because they kind of went a little too far into the 
the woods, the jungle, if you will, uh, before really going through and, and analyzing, okay, is this really me? Is this really me long-term? Is this a project that I'm going to do and then get bored with? Uh, you, in your book, you had the, uh, the, what you call the top 10, are you sure about this things? Could you go through some of those to yeah. help someone kind of see it? Because it sounds so cool, off the grid, doing this thing, growing my own food, chickens, you know, the whole bit. Um, it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are correct it is yeah some of the top 10 is basic questions like you know do you like vacations because guess what as soon as you bring in animals you're not leaving because you got to take care of them 24/7 right those you are going to live to take care of animals that in return are going to take care of you so going on a vacation becomes very difficult um, you really have to like the people that you in your family, right? You all love each other, of course, <laughs> but you have to like each other because you're going to be working as a team like you never have before. Uh, and you're really going to see, you know, people's strengths and weaknesses and going to, everyone's going to have to adapt. So uh, yeah, but ultimately you're, you just hit it again. It's, it's very romantic to think that, Hey, yeah, we're going to go you know, buy a chunk of land in the mountains and we're going to build a cabin. We're going to have this awesome fireplace every night. And I'm going to be butchering these, you know, big steaks. And I'm going to, it sounds all great. It really does. And everybody should aspire to do it. Um, but there is nothing easy about it. And that's why it's the rugged life. It is, it can be very hard work at times, but the return on that hard work is far better than what you get from, you know, going to the grocery store, though that is convenient. And so there's a balance, you know, if, if convenience is at one end of the spectrum and then the rugged life is at the other, right? Anything rugged isn't going to be convenient. Anything convenient isn't really going to be all that rugged. So you just got to find that happy medium for you and your family. And I, that's why I do not suggest just jumping in a hundred percent because you might find out that you hate it. I, I definitely push the, Hey, take some of the projects in the book and see if it's something that appeals to you. And the other biggest piece to all of it is that you're going to fail and you're going to fail over and over again. You may spend a lot of time, you know, getting the, the perfect soil, mix it with, comp get the compost going, then, you know, everything to make the perfect vegetables and then those things never grow or they die or a predator comes along and eats them for you before you even get a chance. Right. So there's a lot of frustration, a lot of fail. So you have to be prepared for that and be the kind of person that's going to go, you know what, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going until I get this right. And so if you're that kind of person and you enjoy learning, um, then you should give it a shot for sure. Yeah. Now, the cool thing about this, and that's what I like, is while you talk about that con that continuum of convenience to the rugged life, is you can pick and choose your battles. Um, you yeah. don't have to be in a cabin in the middle of the woods. Like you said, it can be something as simple as saying, I'm going to do a few of these things for myself. And and I, I like that concept of saying, okay, I can pick and choose. Now, one that, that I like to pick or where I would pick, if you're really thinking about your health and fitness, so that you know the food you're putting in your mouth, is there's nothing, nothing better than you being responsible 
for growing that food, be it, um, you know, particularly with, with, with vegetables, where vegetables, it can, like as simple as a, a vertical garden, it can be herb garden, it can be, you know, tomatoes. And I, I like you, I like your idea of upside down tomato growing, you know, right there. Can you go through some of the considerations of why we would want to grow our own food? And then if we're going to grow our own food, what, what do we want to think about as far as the approach and, and what we do? Because it, it sounds simple, put a seed in the ground, and, you know, having been in a family where we did a garden, we had three acres for uh, basically, I think it was six of us. It was a lot of work. It didn't, you know. And so what are some considerations and things to think about if you're going to start growing your own food? And, and where's, where's some lines? Like if I'm going to try to grow food for my whole family versus just have some additional good quality food for me on my plate each night. Yeah, I think um, a good starting point is always what climate zone do you live in, right? Yeah. So if you have this uh, dream of, you know, avocados, right? Um, and you're going to grow them and you're going to have as many avocados per day because it's a superfood and it's awesome and you can eat it 24-7, which I can you really have to start with climate zone, right? And this is old school farmer's almanac type stuff where you go, all right, where do I live? Uh, and what am I going to have the highest success rate of growing that actually benefits my health? And so that's going to get, that's going to narrow the list really quick. So that's where I would start is the research and also talking to local farmers, going to some of your farmer markets um, and talking to everybody selling any of the vegetables and fruits they have going there and getting educated is like the biggest number one step so that you get, you know, so that you increase your, uh, your, your success. Next, once you figure out what that is, uh, it's a good idea to start indoors, right? You can set up a basic lighting bank and get the seeds, the kickstart they need with a little bit of soil. And once they actually start to grow and you actually see them break the surface of the little pods that you put them in, then you can, you know, basically put them outside using just common language. You're taking something that started growing and you're going to transplant it to outdoors. And it's a very fragile moment, but it'll be fine. Making sure the soil outside matches the soil that they're in. And then now they're outside in sunlight and on their own. And you're going to have to obviously give some care and maintenance. You're going to have to do research on pest control, any of the other predators that might want to nibble on whatever it is you're growing and basically put up whatever fortifications you need, which a lot of times is just chicken wire over your garden. We'll keep out the birds and any of those little uh, ground animals that like rabbits that want to come in and get a free meal. So um, but I think the biggest piece is really doing the research and determine what's going to give you, you know, that, that highest level of success in the area in which you live. And you really got to pinpoint it, you know, because especially like where I'm at, Texas, you know, North Texas is far different than South Texas. And yeah. what you can grow in one, you can't grow in the other, even though you're in the same state. Yeah. And you have a really cool map uh, in the book that kind of breaks it down into zones. Um, Obviously, I'm, I'm a lot further south than any of your zones, uh, and we can yeah. grow avocados here. Uh, one of the interesting yeah. things is when you plant that, you have, to, you have to set your expectations. You won't have avocados for 10 years, uh, and then you won't have avocados at all if your dog digs up the plant. Um, <laughs> exactly. And that's, you know, that's a great point. 
because people do this on that same point. They think about like, you know, apple tree or an orange tree or a peach tree, but you're still talking several years before you really get to the, to the good fruit that that tree produces. Um, and like here in Texas, like the, the pecan industry is huge, right? And monetizing acreage, you know, if you can put, you know, let's say you've got a couple of acres and you can put 50 to 100 trees, but a pecan tree isn't going to start producing pecans for 10 years, right? And so, you know, there is, a, like I said, it, it's still that you have to do that amount of research and put it in and then also regulate that expectation, right? Expectation management is a big part of all this, like you just pointed out. <laughs> but, but the advantages are this, you're, you know, what's in your food, you know, you know, if you used pesticides, yeah. you know, it, if you, you know, if you used uh, something in it, you know, it, uh, you know, the seeds, whether they're heirloom or they're some of the something else. Uh, but you know the food because you were in hand. And I can tell you, when you grow your own food, uh, it actually tastes better because you have a, a pride of ownership while you're eating that food that you just don't get when you walk into a, a restaurant or uh, have Uber Eats deliver it to you. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> okay. So then then now, okay. Uh, and, and again, you, could, you can do all of this. Uh, if you live in the right climate, you can do all your food. It can be plant-based and it can be awesome uh, if you can grow enough. Um, and you need to, again, make sure you are growing enough if that's what you're going to do. But for a lot of folks, we are, we are meat eaters or omnivores. So we're going we're gonna to want a little bit of meat in there too. Um, and that's where things like raising your own animals, uh, you talked about some considerations there as far as you know, vacations and other things you got to do. Uh, hunting and fishing which there are also some general considerations about that. Uh, why would we want to raise our own animals, do hunting and fishing? Why would we want to go through the effort of doing that? And then what are some things we'd need to think about uh, to go through that process, what that's all about? Yeah. Um, you know, harvesting anything, like you pointed out, is, uh, is going gonna, is gonna to be healthier in the long run. Um, but it's also important to note it might not be cheaper uh, I think a lot of folks think that, hey, I might save money by having chickens. Well, mm, not at first. And it's going to take a while to, to get an egg for as cheap as you would buy an egg at a grocery store. It takes a while to get there because you have to invest. Um, but something like chickens um, are somewhat easy. You know, you, and it's important to note you have egg chickens and you've got meat chickens. The egg chickens, obviously good at laying eggs, you know, almost all year round, you might have to put some lighting because they lay eggs based on the sun. And then you've got your meat chickens, which don't really produce very good eggs, but man, they're good to eat. Um, there's even one uh, breeded chicken that you literally have to butcher it at about eight to 12 weeks because it gets so fat, its own legs will snap. So there's a lot um the thing about rugged life is each chapter is novels on their own of information that could be written. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, but growing your own meat, yes, it locks you at home, but you know it, where it's been, what it's eaten and what it's doing, you know, 24 seven. So the safety in eating it, the health benefits in eating it are all just automatically there when you've been doing it. Um, and what I've also pointed out in the book is, you know, if the farming aspect of harvesting your own meat uh, isn't your thing, then hunting certainly is the other option because then it doesn't require you to be stuck at home. 
you know, raising these animals, whether it's, you know, chickens, goats, um, you know, pigs, you name it. Um, so then you can go hunt and, you know, with hunting, it's, uh, it's popular, uh, bow hunting is becoming more popular these days. Uh, so a lot, a lot of variants to going and hunting, but that has its own skill and set of, uh, patience and work that goes with it. Uh, there is some investment, but I would say buying a rifle and ammunition is cheaper than, you know, like, you know, raising or, um, you know, keeping pigs, for example, you know, pigs can, if you don't do it right, they can destroy everything. <laughs> so, and the same with goats, people see these goats when they go to yoga, you know, climbing on them and like, Oh, I want one. But what they don't know is those things will eat the tires off your car. If you, if you leave them there long enough with your vehicle. So, you know, there's a, but overall, um, once again, uh, knowing where your meat is, looking out for it 24 seven, 24 seven, butchering it and serving it to yourself. I mean, that goes back to where our country was 200 some years ago, uh, where every man, woman and child were self-reliant and they had all of these skills in the book and then some because it was just a way of life. And by drawing from a couple of these things here and there, you might find out that you that you like it as well. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of things that you can consider, in my opinion, if you don't want to go like full on with all of this stuff is uh, it's very common for folks to go in with a farmer. They know everybody goes in with the money. They buy calves and they know where that's being raised. And there's kind of like a a co-op, if you will. So that's one way to yeah. kind of get around then of you having to buy the land and you having to run the animals is that someone who's more skilled at that. And but this is a great opportunity for you to learn those skills. Um, also with the hunting and fishing is often you can get into groups. Uh, I know we would go hunting, uh, you know, back uh, in the day, they'd run dogs, you know, so you'd have the guys running their beagles and we'd all set up in different spots and then you get done and it's like, okay, the dog that the dog that did the chase, <laughs> you know, he's good. He's going to get <laughs> yeah. his first pick. And then the guy who shot the deer is going to get his pick. And then, yeah, the rest of us, you know, if we didn't happen to hit that day, uh, we're getting a little bit of something, uh, there. So it's an opportunity to kind of get those things. Uh, I can say the hunting and fishing is hit or miss, uh, if you're going by yourself, but there are opportunities yeah. for you to get involved and, and try some of these things. Um, and, and maybe to me, the biggest challenge of a lot of this, and if you haven't, haven't done it before, but, and you have a lot of great advice in the book is the butchering of the animal, which is something that, uh, many people haven't experienced, but, um, you know, it, it once you start getting into it, it, it's like, okay, now I understand where my cuts of meat come from. I know what this animal's life was like. And, you're right. It's, it's, it's kind of intense, but, uh, it's a good intense to know the quality of your food and to know where it's coming from. And, uh, to know that you had a hand in either making it or, uh, killing or catching it. Yeah, no, yep. You are you're dead on. And, and for people that want to try, uh, kind of like the easy route, but is also somewhat difficult is, uh, homesteading world rabbits have been very popular. And because you can, in a very short period of time, and I point out in there, you know, rabbits, they do hump like rabbits. Uh, you know, within a short period of time, you, with six rabbits, you can turn that into 46 <laughs> uh, kits or so. And then before you know it, you've got enough meat um, 
to eat, you know, five days a week for a, you know, a family of four. And it's just exponential with rabbits. Um, and they're smaller and easier meat to manage, um, especially if you don't have the land. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of options and yeah, you make some great points doing things as a group and the co-op options, both with eggs, milk and meat are, are all out there and available these days. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell this story. Uh, it probably shouldn't cause it's just kind of embarrassing, but um, I'm going to say, it. I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, I had a friend <laughs> and they raised rabbits that that was their thing. They raised rabbits and, um, they would, they had the, the kits, the cages for themselves set up. And, you know, you, you, you try to check a rabbit to know if it's a boy or a girl, and it's really, really hard to tell. And so they thought they had these two, a guy and a, a boy and a girl, and they put them in the cage and they were fighting. So they assume now, okay, they most, they must both be boys and they're fighting. So the father wanted us to, to kill, kill one of the rabbits. He picked one of them. He said, go, go kill the rabbit. And so we go out there, we grab the rabbit and he hands it to me. And I, I go to grab the rabbit. I'm holding it against my chest and the rabbit just kind of rests its chin right there on my neck. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I can't do it. Yeah. And and so a little tear starts coming down my eye. You know, I'm 15 years old. My, my friend turns around, he looks at me and he looks at me for just a second. Then he gets a tear in his eye and his father drives up about this time in his truck. And he looks at the two of us. He says, damn it. Build another cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. It's uh, that's where I said it's easy, but also could be difficult. Because killing a rabbit, you know, uh, yeah, they're so uh, soft and cuddly. It's the last thing you want to kill, and yeah. they they know that too about themselves. I think he, this one did because that chin on the chest on on my shoulder that was that was enough to. To say, okay, this one gets a second chance. Um, but, <laughs> that's awesome. But you know, that, I think that's the other thing uh, that I I wanted to kind of get to the, with this is that you start having a newfound respect for the food that you're eating. So the concept of waste, the concept of just you know going out and doing something for the sake of doing it, um, you really get a, a sense of what the cost of this is, um, not just from a financial perspective or what we're dealing with, but just knowing that what you're doing is about survival, about you doing the right things for yourself. And, and so again, I, I think you approach this with a very different mindset. Maybe you do eat less meat because the, the emotional cost of raising the meat for you is a little bit higher. Um, and as a result, you're eating less red meat and maybe a little bit more vegetables, a little bit more plant-based. And in the end, that turns out to be a more healthful choice for you. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, uh, you know, you're investing more than just, you know, money when you go down this path, you know, there's time and effort. Um, then there's on the receiving end, whatever it is you're deciding to grow or harvest, what it's given back to you. And so there's this, there's this relationship that forms with a lot of what you're doing and, um, every aspect of it becomes valuable and you don't want any of it to go to waste. And, I think um, I think if if people just do one little thing here and there, holistically, they will kind of start to you know grow up in a different way than what we're used to. Because these modern conveniences and technology, I think we all know it and we say it all the time that these things are you know necessary evil. You know, and I mean, look at us now. It does give us these great capabilities i'm communicating from texas to panama like live feed right now and it's that aspect is just incredible right but 
at the same same size really makes us lazy and it and complacent and and like I said, you know, 200 years ago, everybody knew this stuff, and now it's very rare. And it took a pandemic for people to wake up and go, "Oh, yeah, it might be a good idea that I, I know how to make, you know, something as simple as hand sanitizer." Right? Uh, we all learned it really quick when the shelves got empty, along with toilet paper, which is really odd. Um, but now that we're somewhat through it. Uh, this is an opportunity really to uh, embrace it and start trying new and different things. And uh, hopefully that's the kind of impact the book has on everyone. Yeah. And I think other folks are going to look at it and say, okay, you know, there's also the aspects of inflation and, uh, you know, where where my food is coming from. You look at some of these industrial, uh, you know, plants where they're, they're bringing in meat or eggs or whatever. And it's, it's just, it's horrific uh, to see yeah. some of the stuff that they do to these animals uh, and to know that, you know, you can do this in a different, more sustainable way, I think is, um, is really a big step. Plus again, not initially, but over time, uh, just depending on what goes on in the world, being the self-reliant, having the sustainable source of something, whether it's vegetables or food, whatever, uh, meat or whatever, um, and being able to hunt for yourself, being able to fish for yourself, those things. Um, is going to give you a way of having control when inflation is out of your control and you just have to pay what the market costs when you want to have a steak or have some fish or have some eggs. Um, you just pay what the market is uh, versus mm -hmm. if you are doing your own thing and get to a point of sustainability, um, it, it's now just about you taking care of the animals and them taking care of you, as, as you said earlier. Yep. You're, you've nailed it. I mean, it's a crazy world and I'm not a fear monger by any means, but you know, reality is reality. You come out of a pandemic, you've got Russia invading countries, you have interest, interest rates already going through the roof. The economy is screwed because of supply chain issues. Supply chain issues aren't getting fixed because other countries are still dealing with the pandemic, which slows things down and recovery is just going to take a while. You know, it's an, it, the economy is always kind of like this accordion, and, you know, the impact of today, you know, we may not recover for you know, a couple of years down the road. And so um, being more self-sufficient and self-reliant. All right. Well, Clint, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Oh, it's a good question. Um, I think number one, having a routine that um, looks after you first, right? I always have to tell myself, look out for myself first each day. And that's only because if I let the day get a hold of me, then I may not actually do anything for myself. And when I say that, I mean, you get up and you work out, right? And get that workout under your belt. Um, it's also the same as, hey, I get my coffee, the MCT oil and collagen in my system right off the bat as well, because I'm looking out for myself first. Um, and then, okay, sit down and organize your mind, right? So I'm a big list guy. So get those lists and keep your mind healthy and get the clutter out and down on paper and then start tack tackling those tasks in the order of priorities in which you, whatever it is you're dealing with for the day. And then of course, you know, you have to power yourself. Um, so make sure you're taking in the things that, 
that fuel the body and fuel the mind, you know? So I like the intermittent fast. I feel like it's done, you know, everyone's different about that kind of stuff. But for me, waiting till around lunchtime to really start taking in calories uh, seems to work. And then I pretty much eat somewhat healthy from lunchtime till about six or seven. And then that's it, you know? And um, I think regulating and getting into a routine and then implementing, you know, what can I do that's healthy for the mind, healthy for the body, healthy for the spirit. Um, and then just integrate that into my day, then boom, you know, it, it, it becomes automatic, you know, after some time. And then before you know it, that's, you, you realize, wow, I feel a hell of a lot better than I did a year ago. And that's how it should be right. Every year yeah. you get older, you should be able to go, I feel better than I did last year. Hey, you know what? I feel better than I did last year, even though I'm getting older. And that's, it seems to be working, but I don't know. I'm no expert. <laughs> it, it, it's working. It's working. Clint, if someone wanted to learn more about you, learn more about your book, The Rugged Life, where would you like for me to send them? Yeah, my entire ecosystem is at clintemerson.com. Super simple. You can pre-order or order the books right now, right there. And uh, I really do appreciate your time and any of your listeners that go uh, check clintemerson.com out or my Instagram page. I, I thank you ahead of time. All right. Well, thank you so much, Clint, for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. No, thanks for having me, buddy. You got a great thing going. All right. Thank you. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. Wow. I'm telling you, you're speaking my love language here. We talk a lot about homesteading at our house up here. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I know I've, I see a lot of videos. Uh, I know that your husband is a is a hunter and a fisherman mm -hmm. and just kind of the whole idea, the whole concept of going out in a hut on a lake and cutting a hole in the ice and sitting there and fishing. <laughs> Not mm -hmm. my thing. Uh, <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll take my kayak out here in the water and cast out uh, or, or fish from a beach. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think the thing that I wanted people to take away from here is understanding the source of your food. Mm -hmm. And taking that on as a personal challenge to be more involved in the food, uh, it's it's good for you, and it's it's great for the younger generations um, who, in some cases, have no concept whatsoever of what this stuff is, um, yeah. you know, and and potentially how bad some of it can be. And so, I, I would never sure. encourage anyone to really go spend a whole lot of time diving into this. Um, mm -hmm. because it's, it's not pretty, uh, how animals can be mistreated and, and, and terribly raised. So the more mm -hmm. you're able to get involved, the more you're able to create sustainable opportunities for yourself. And it, it, it doesn't have to be a huge thing, you know, so small herb garden, a small, yes. you know, this or that going in with a few friends and finding a co-op. And you, you mentioned a few cool things. Yes. Yes. You know, we do a lot of gardening at our house and, and I say we very generally, I do not have a green thumb. It's all my daughter and husband. They're way, well more skilled at this type of thing than I am, but we choose our vegetable gardens based on how we eat. And we tend to eat a lot of peppers and tomatoes. We do a lot of herbs. So we choose some pretty easy 
see things to grow. And we put some in the ground, some in pots, some can like herbs can decorate your kitchen. It would look lovely and smell lovely to have some good herbs in your kitchen. And then on top of that, if, if gardening isn't your thing, um, our local community has an area in town where you could, for a low price of just $20 for the entire summer, they'll give you maybe a 10 by 20 or so square foot area where you could grow whatever vegetables you are so inclined to grow. So if there's no room on your property, there's a place to go. And also my brother and sister-in-law, they, um, they have been doing a co-op where um, for a weekly fee, they get handed a bag of vegetables, which is really fun from their local farm because you never know what you're going to get. So, you know, you could get really creative in the kitchen if you're getting some vegetables that you may not normally cook with. So there's a lot of affordable options if, if growing isn't your thing. So there's other things yeah. to look into. And, and the reality of it is that there's some work involved. You know, I grew up yes. and we had three acres. And so that was a chore. And mm-hmm. then after you get the food, uh, you, you have to think in terms of you don't want it to go to waste. And so, you know, the, like we had plum trees and there was like three, mm. three or four plum trees and they would all come ripening at the same time. Of course. Well, I can personally tell you from experience, don't eat a lot of plums oh, dear. at one time. Uh, Plums are prunes. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my they're goodness. just they're just moisture prunes, and um, mm-hmm. they will do the same thing. So, uh, you know, what you end up doing is saying, "What are the preservation techniques that I can employ yes. to keep these this food and have it for later?" So, you talk about tomatoes, and it's you can you can can tomatoes. So, mm-hmm. you, you learn how to use the mason jars and the yes. hot water and creating pressure and putting the caps on and letting it sit and hear that pop, and you're like, "Okay, we're good." Then Same thing good. with the preserves that we did mm-hmm. for, like I said, the, the, the plums, we would do that also with blackberries. Uh, the blackberry preserves went very, very fast though. So oh, uh, <laughs> that would be delicious. <laughs> they were, they were. Um, but that's the whole point. We knew where our food was coming from, you know, the, mm-hmm. the chickens and ducks and turkeys that we raised, we, we knew what they were eating. We knew where they were. Um, and so that gave us uh, some ownership there mm-hmm. and changed behaviors because, you know, it wasn't this simple thing of, of throwing things out and not utilizing them because you, you knew the cost and you knew what right. was involved. And then and with the fishing and the hunting, it was like, okay, we, we know where our meat's coming from. And we know sometimes we're going to be lucky and have a, a good harvest, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then other times we're not. And, yes. you know, we have to look at what's going on. Why, why aren't there as many deer uh, mm-hmm. And maybe it's a good thing we're not getting a big harvest this year, uh, because if there's not enough deer for us to see the deer, uh, then mm-hmm. maybe we don't need to be hunting the deer uh, as mm-hmm. much. So uh, it allows you to get more creative with understanding the environment you're in um, and hunting and fishing and growing your own, raising your own. Uh, mm-hmm. I think those are just huge opportunities for us to become more self-sufficient. And Clint's mm-hmm. book, again, it, it, it is about being resilient. It's about being self-sufficient. And it goes a lot deeper. He teaches uh, things about welding, solar panels, uh, Ooh, wow, water. Uh, so all the things that you would say if I was really going to homestead and figure stuff out uh, mm-hmm. for myself. And, and is it a, a complete manual for how to do this? No, but it is an excellent source if you're saying, I really want to start figuring out. I want to buy that cabin in the woods and mm-hmm. move there. I want to buy that house 
you know, that are that property down there here about in Bocas del Toro, where I can own my own island mm-hmm. for less than $200,000 and I can build a sustainable house with Neat. solar water catchment and all that. This will give you some general ideas about what's involved in doing that and, and kind of coming to the conclusion. You know, I really cut out to do that because so many people yeah. move down here and say, yeah, this sounds great until we go three weeks without rain. Mm-hmm. Or we go three weeks with rain. <laughs> oh, yes. Just you know? like you just did. Oh, my gosh. You know? Yeah. Well, it's good to try some of these little things and absolutely buy the book because it's good to read about and do your research before you invest a whole ton of time because you're right. Failure happens. We have we evicted two groundhogs last year that <laughs> ate a good chunk of our garden before we could. And it's just these things type these type of things happen. So it's good to try a little try these experiments every now and then and see what happens. Okay. Well, uh, Raz, um, that's all I really had for this week. What about you? Sure. No, that's great. Take care. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Dr. Michelle Sager and discuss her book, The Joy Choice, how to finally achieve lasting changes in eating and exercise. Until then, have a happy and healthy week. 